This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Steeler fans, what's going on? Jeff Hartman here, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you with another episode of the Steelers News. If you're watching on YouTube, it's Sunday. If you're listening live on podcast form, it could be Sunday, but it's probably Monday, and that's okay. If you didn't know, let's say you're someone that always listens on podcasts, said, heck, I didn't even know the Behind the Steel Curtain had a YouTube channel. We do. Go to YouTube, search channel, BTSC Steelers Radio, subscribe, like, comment enjoy the platform and let's say it's vice versa you are someone that watches on youtube you didn't know that behind the steel curtain had a podcast platform go to itunes search the standard as a standard and you'll get all our best shows and we're only going to give you Steeler stuff i've said it before on the show i'll say it again i can't stand sometimes when i listen to espn radio fox sports radio and all i hear about is garbage about other teams that i don't want to hear about that's not the case with this show all you hear is Pittsburgh Steelers, black and gold news. That's why it is the Steelers news. So let's get this thing started. What to watch for? Everyone knows the Pittsburgh Steelers just wrapped up their OTAs. 10 sessions, all done in the books. Now they move on to what? Mandatory minicamp. Mandatory minicamp is first, as it says, mandatory. So this is where any player that is under contract with the team, it is mandatory for them to attend. You hear stories all across the NFL where players skip mandatory minicamp. In that case, they're typically fined. Um, some type of punishment is handed down by the team. That depends on the team and how they handle that. Uh, don't expect Le'Veon Bell to show up. He's not under contract. Therefore, he would not be punished for missing. But I think you can expect Ben Roethlisberger to be there. I'm pretty sure you'll see Antonio Brown there, even though Antonio Brown missed a large majority of OTAs. But what can we expect 
from minicamp is the question that a lot of people are asking. Is there a difference between OTAs and minicamp? There is. Uh, minicamp in general is a lot more focused on team play. We're talking about the X's and O's getting on the field, more 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11 seven, 11 11 work. It's not so much individual drills and things of that nature. So you'll be hearing reports about players that are doing extremely well, maybe rookies, maybe which we'll talk about later in the show. Uh, maybe you'll hear about someone like Justin Hunter, a wide receiver who's really trying to make a name for himself, trying to solidify his spot on the team. Um, you might hear stories about unfortunate injuries that happen during minicamp. The Steelers have already had two season-ending injuries, thankfully only to depth players or players that might not even make the team. But you might hear those stories. Uh, you might see players be swapped out. For instance, if a team from another, uh, I'm sorry, a player from another team gets cut or released, and the Steelers like that player and they want to bring him on, they can. And then the 90-man roster, as I always say on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, is fluid. The one thing you want to watch for, though, in minicamp is health. Everyone's staying healthy, and then staying out of the news because after minicamp is when you have that those dog days of summer. Though the rest of June almost the entire month of July, where there's no football, there's no workouts, there's no practices. Even if they're in shorts, it's a wait until training camp and the Steelers report at St. Vincent College. I believe it's July 25th. I could be wrong. It could be the 27th. We have the full schedule at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for you to check out if you're going up to Latrobe to check out those workouts. But those are the big things. And as always, we'll be keeping you up to date here on the Steelers news and especially on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with all that you need to know about minicamp heading into training camp and then preseason and then the regular season. Man, time flies. It feels like just yesterday we were watching the team get into the playoffs and unfortunately losing to the Jaguars. So let's talk rookies. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been setting a trend the last few years. And it was a trend that under certain coaches, specifically position coaches, whether it was Bruce Arians and Dick LeBeau or Todd Haley, they didn't like to play a lot of rookies uh, for whatever reason. Um, you think back to some of the great players that came through, they weren't starters out of the gate. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't a starter out of the gate. That was Bill Cowher. Same with Troy Polamalu. Um, I understand that sometimes players need to mature and they need to develop and they need to be ready. But at the same time, sometimes you have to put out the best players regardless of who they might be putting on the bench for that. So the question is, and this is the title of the episode, which rookies will make the biggest impact on the Steelers in 2018? And that's not an easy question. It really isn't. Because I think, in my opinion, there's varying levels of impact for a team in other words some players could be potential starters some players could be significant members of special teams there's a time and a place for black and white like when you're learning to play piano or when you want a big two-toned cookie or when shopping for a pet zebra but if you want to attract customers there's no room for black and white so go to staples staples specializes in bold hard to miss color printing and now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Both could have an impact, yet they're going to be different. So I'm going to go through some of the, the rookies that I think are going to make a big impact in one way or another for the Steelers in 2018. And I'll tell you what, I want to hear from you. I want to know if you agree or disagree with what I think about this rookie class, 
Let me know in the comment section below. I try to reply to as many comments as we get here on YouTube. Or if you're listening on podcast form on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, go into the comment section. Let me know what you think. Always good to have great discussion and dialogue there. So I think we're going to start off, rightfully so, with the number one draft pick, Terrell Edmonds, safety out of Virginia Tech. What is his impact going to be? I think it's going to be very, it's going to be large. They are going to use him a lot in sub packages. You're going to see him as almost like a rover type that's going to be the inside linebacker, yet still a safety in specific sub packages. Terrell Edmonds is going to be a player that is going to see the field. Is he going to be a starter? No, I don't think so. If he is, that typically would mean there's some injuries that happened on the depth chart ahead of him. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be on the field. That doesn't mean he's not going to have an impact. I think that with certain sub packages and eventually by the end of the season, he could be on the field a significant amount of time. I see Terrell Edmonds having a really big impact. A lot of people still to this day don't know what the Steelers have in Terrell Edmonds. And really, we won't know for sure until they get to training camp until they put the pads on, the preseason kicks off. But until then, I think they have a really good player in Terrell Edmonds, and it's a player that they want in terms of his, his size, his athleticism, and his capabilities. Look for him in sub packages. I think that's going to be where he impacts the team in 2018. Next, second-round pick, James Washington. He's from Oklahoma State, wide receiver. I think he has the potential to be a starter on offense in 2018. Martavis Bryant, gone to the Raiders. Who fills that role? Who fills that role for taking the top off a of defense? Some people, myself included, have mentioned Justin Hunter. Some people have suggested Darius Hayward Bay. Both of those players are veterans. They have experience, and they have speed. The one thing that James Washington does, though, is he built his entire college resume off of the deep ball. He and Mason Rudolph connected for more deep passing yards than any other duo in college football throughout their time at Oklahoma State, and even last year in 2017. He has already been applauded by Ben Roethlisberger, some of the coaching staff, teammates, his ability to high point the ball, make the tough catches. That's what he does. And so in my opinion, I don't think James Washington is going to start the year out wide being that guy for the Steelers. But I think by the season end, whenever that may be, he's going to be the starter out wide. The Steelers have a lot of good receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster can play the slot as well as outside. James Washington can also fill some needs here and there. Antonio Brown can play everywhere. Keep that in mind. It's just another piece of the puzzle, but I think that James Washington has a potential to be a starter in 2018. Next, we go to Jalen Samuels out of North Carolina State. He is, this is something that uh, Mike Tomlin refers to often with the opposition. Uh, he always calls players the Swiss Army Knife because they can do it all. The Steelers finally got themselves a Swiss Army Knife in Jalen Samuels. He doesn't really have one specific position. Some call him a running back. Some call him a fullback. Some call him a, a tight end. Some call him an H-back, and some even call him a receiver because when he was at North Carolina State, he caught the ball a ridiculous amount. He brings an added element. Now, I don't think that Jalen Samuels is going to take snaps away from Le'Veon Bell, not as a running back. Maybe as a receiver, but we know the Steelers love what Le'Veon Bell brings to the table as a receiver, so I don't think that's going to happen either. Jalen Samuels, similar to Terrell Edmonds, I think is going to have a very small 
starting off the season, you have a small package of, of plays and packages that he's going to be able to really use his skill set. Think for a second about Jalen Samuels being in that bunch formation. They didn't run the bunch as much as they did under Bruce Arians when they had Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator. But under Bruce Arians, uh, that's where Heinz Ward thrived in that bunch formation where they would have three or four players right over top of the tackle. Sometimes it was all receivers. Sometimes there were a couple tight ends. They really have flexibility. You put Jalen Samuels out there, you can motion him. You can put him in the backfield. You can send him out in routes. A really, really impressive tool. I'm excited to see what he does, but I think they're going to have a position for him uh, when the season rolls around. Then you have Chukwuma Okora for he's the third round tackle. I would honestly would not even have had him listed on this in the, or have him in this discussion prior to the injury to Gerald Hawkins. Gerald Hawkins tore his quadricep and organized team activities. He's been put on injured reserve. That doesn't mean his season is over technically, but everything that you read in here is that the, it's very unlikely that he plays this year. So now Chucks, as they call him, Okorafor is in a battle with Matt Filer for the starting backup tackle spot. You hope that Chucks does not have to play. You hope that he wins the battle, but you hope that he doesn't have to play. But let's be honest, if we're saying that he's going to replace Chris Hubbard, who left for the Browns in free agency, Hubbard played a lot. Marcus Gilbert, who Hubbard filled in for the most at right tackle, Missed a lot of time. He was suspended for four games last year. He dealt with injuries last year. There's a trend there with Gilbert, and I'm afraid that if if Chucks wins this battle, he might be thrust into playing. And is he ready? We won't know until they get on the field, but I'll tell you right now, he's going to have an impact. If, if anything, if we've learned anything, it's that that backup tackle position is not just a, someone that stands on the sidelines and watches. Even when Marcus Gilbert's healthy, they will put an extra tackle as a tight end, and they will obviously be able to really get that pass. That They want to run the ball down someone's throat. That's when they're going to use that extra tackle. So he's going to have an impact, but he has to beat Matt Filer. They like Filer. They had him last year. It's going to be an interesting camp battle, but I think he wins it. I think he has um, an impact early in his National Football League career. And next we get into Joshua Frazier, seventh-round pick from Alabama. Carl Dunbar, the new defensive line coach, knows him well. He coached him at Alabama. Where do they do with him? If you look at the the depth on the defensive line, the three that are not going anywhere, two at Hayward and the Hargrave. Tyson Alawalu is there. Played great last year, I thought. Daniel McCullers is back. Not impressed with him. I don't think anyone's impressed with him, by the way. And then also, let's not forget about LT Walton. LT Walton has some versatility. He's been able to play some nose tackle, plays tackle position as well. Where does Joshua Frazier fit in this? Does he beat out someone? Is he more of a nose tackle person where he can bump Daniel McCullers, fill out that defensive rotation? I don't know. If he can make the team, I think he's going to be quality depth. I'm not sold on him making the team yet, but there's something about the fact that Dunbar coached him in Alabama and they drafted him in the Pittsburgh Steelers that tells me that Dunbar likes him, likes him enough to draft him. Didn't even say, you know, we can probably take a run on this guy and as an undrafted free agent. Took him. Seventh round. I know it's just the seventh round, but still, that says something. And last but certainly not least, Marcus Allen out of Penn State, the safety. I don't see 
everyone's talking about Edmonds and Allen and how they're going to be able to, you know, the, the future tandem. And that might be the case. They might be the future safety tandem for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But in my opinion, he's going to be a special teams guy. But that doesn't mean he won't make an impact in 2018. I think that Marcus Allen could make a tremendous impact for the Steelers on special teams. They need a special teams guy. I mean, Tyler Matikiewicz is that guy right now. But Tyler Matikiewicz is not your atypical Steelers or, or any team, not just the Steelers, special teams guy that goes down the field and just makes a play. If they have anyone that's like that, the Steelers, that you would say is their special teams spark plug, it's Roosevelt Knicks. Think about it. All those times he's gone down the field and popped somebody and caused a fumble, I think back to Oakland two years ago, it just changes the momentum of the game. I think Marcus Allen could be that guy. He's going to be a depth piece on defense with safety, but I also think he's going to be really, really good for special teams, at least in his rookie year. And if you're listening to this or you're watching this, you might be saying, well, Jeff, what about Mason Rudolph? You didn't name Mason Rudolph. He might be the only rookie that I'm actually excited about. Well, and that's because, in my opinion, if Mason Rudolph plays outside of the preseason, the Steelers are in trouble. It's not that Mason Rudolph is incapable, but it's that if Ben Roethlisberger goes down, and there's no debate, none whatsoever, as to whether Ben Roethlisberger should be the quarterback. That is not even a discussion. Not going to waste my breath. If Ben Roethlisberger goes down, Mason Rudolph is playing, that means that the season has gone south in a hurry. So Mason Rudolph, I really like the kid. I think he has a very, very bright future ahead of him. But at the same time, I just don't see him making an impact in 2018. And that's what we're talking about here in this episode is which Pittsburgh Steeler rookie is going to make the biggest impact. So I went through those there. I just don't think Mason Rudolph, I hope actually that Mason Rudolph doesn't have a big impact in, in this season. But I think they're going to get a lot of contributions from their rookies. And if you think back to the last few years, they have. I go back to 2016. It was Artie Burns. It was Sean Davis. It was Javon Hargrave. Last year is TJ Watt. Cameron Sutton ended up coming on. Uh, they have been relying more and more on their rookies. I like this class more and more the more I study them. I think it's a very, very solid class. Now, moving on, talking a little history now. If you checked out Behind the Steel Curtain on Sunday, you would have seen an article that I posed, and it was specifically a discussion piece. It was, name your all-time favorite Steelers by position, okay? This was not a, who do you think was best? It was, name your favorite all-time Steelers by position. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please go to the website and check it out, because I think it was really cool. We already have, and as of, as of the recording, we have well over 100 comments of people debating, talking about their own personal picks. I gave my own. I went position by position. Now, I didn't go specifically on the offensive and defensive line. I just gave one. I want to share with those with you what my favorite positions were. Now, I have to tell you, I was born in 1983. I'm 35 years old, for those that can do the math. And I grew up in the horrid 80s in early 90s. It wasn't until 94, 95 that the Steelers started to kind of come around under Bill Cowher. But ultimately, for me, here's my list. All-time favorite Steelers. We're going to start on offense. Running back, Barry Foster. When I was in seventh grade, I got to choose my own jersey number, and I chose 29 because of Barry Foster. I've, I, I loved that guy in 94. He was so dynamic, 
And I always kind of hated Bam Morris because I always felt Bam Morris took Barry Foster's spot. Foster was kind of a one-and-done type player. I wish he would have played longer for the Steelers. I wish he would have been more productive and injuries didn't get in the way. Always my favorite running back. I know, with Jerome Bettis and stuff, and Le'Veon Bell, you're saying, this guy's off his rocker. It just comes down to my youth. Wide receiver, easy. Antonio Brown. People want to talk about Swan and Stallworth. Antonio Brown is the greatest wide receiver in Steelers history, period. I don't want to hear any talk about it. That's it. Tight end, Heath Miller. I'm pretty sure that everyone, maybe except for one or two, every single person that responded to this article said Heath Miller was their favorite tight end. Who else are you going to say? Eric Green? That's who I thought of, but no. Heath Miller, by far. Quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. He's the only jersey that I actually own. I own, I don't know, nine Ben Roethlisberger jerseys, including throwbacks, home, away. I became infatuated with this guy as a football player when he was drafted in 04, and then he went on that magical run to the AFC Championship game. It's always been about number seven for me. Offensive line, this was tough. I mean, I could go, I could go Darmani Dawson, uh, some of the current players. I went with David DeCastro. There's something about DeCastro. He just goes out there, and he pummels people, punches them in the face, I just think back to those great hits that he has on Vontez Perfect, completely legal, but he sent a message the right way. He didn't have to get a penalty. He knew how to take care of business. I like that guy. No nonsense. Nonsense reminds me of another number 66, Alan Fanica. And uh, I don't know, DeCastro plays a little bit more of an edge. That's why I like him. Let's go to the defensive side, defensive line. Aaron Smith, probably in my opinion, the unheralded captain of that defense of those early 2000 groups, they were so good. And Aaron Smith was phenomenal. I wish his career would have ended differently. He tore his tricep muscle, tried to come back, just didn't work out and eventually had to retire. But Aaron Smith, I always loved the way he approached the game. Hey, sports fans, football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. My bookie is the industry leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. My bookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. My bookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even esports. There's no better time to join my bookie than today. Go to my bookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited cornerback a lot of people said Ike Taylor and I don't know why because if you were alive when Rod Woodson played there was no one better Rod Woodson by far was the man I remember when I was a kid I had a pullover jacket yeah if you remember those old starter pullovers it said Steelers on the front and on the back was Woodson 26 it was reversible those were really popular back in the 90s I loved Rod Woodson I used to go to Rod Woodson's restaurant on Station Square in Pittsburgh the, the, the floor was AstroTurf. It was so cool. Rod Woodson was the man. I was heartbroken when he left. I hated when he went to the Baltimore Ravens, but he retired as a Steeler, and so I forgive him for that. Safety, this is where you get down to the generational gap. Okay, now if I were to ask my dad who the greatest safety was, he might say, 
you know, a, a number of players from the seventies, like Donnie shell, I'm going to say straight up Troy Polamalu. I don't think there's any debate there. You could talk about free safety, strong safety. Polamalu was the man you could name. I don't know how many plays where he just, I don't know. He just, he literally left you in awe. Like, I can't believe that guy just did that. Troy, that's all you got to say. Inside linebacker. Everyone's saying Shazier. Everyone's going through, you know, Lambert. For me, again, it goes back to my youth. LaVon Kirkland, number 99. This guy looked like a nose tackle in today's football standards. He ran like a 4-5-40, chased down running backs, and boy, did he hit. That guy was amazing. Loved watching him play in the 90s. Wish he would have been around for a couple winning teams. Won a Super Bowl that would have been awesome. Outside linebacker Joey Porter. There's something about Peasy, man. You hated him. Other teams hated his guts. They hated him. They hated how he jawed. They hated how he walked around the the, the field before the, the game with his shirt up so you could show off his abs. They hated how he just ran his mouth incessantly. I loved how he called out Jeremy Stevens in, in the Seahawks. I loved how he fought the Browns player before the Browns game, which led to James Harrison getting a start. I loved everything about Joey Porter. He was my favorite outside linebacker of my era. I almost went with Greg Lloyd. James Harrison leaving last year really left a bad taste in my mouth. So I went with Joey Porter. And the last one was special teams. You could pick anyone. You could have gone Gary Anderson. You could have gone Chris Boswell. Nope. I went with Antoine Randall L. As frustrating as it was to watch Antoine Randall L spin around in circles and get tackled for a three-yard loss, I loved watching him play. He was a great kickoff returner, great punt returner, and always made every single special teams play exciting. So again, if you haven't checked out that article, go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and let us know. Who is your all-time favorite Pittsburgh Steelers by position? It doesn't have to be the best. LeVon Kirkland was not the best inside linebacker for the Steelers, but I loved him. He was my favorite. That's what we want to know. That's what makes you a fan. I'm a fan just like you. And remember, if you're watching on YouTube, go to the go to our channel, BTSE Steelers Radio. Subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know you like the content. The more you like it, the more we'll put out there, the better we'll all be. If you're not listening there, go to a podcast form, iTunes, search the standard as a standard, follow us there, subscribe, give us a good review, give us a good rating. Always appreciate that. And as always, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all Pittsburgh Steelers needs. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor. We'll see you next time on the Steelers News. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.